You're listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. Welcome back to another episode on the Neighbors and Nations podcast. I'm Todd Stiles. Really thankful you're listening in today. And uh, I am excited to share with you an interview I had with one of our own church members, Sarah Farnsworth. And Sarah especially has been a blessing to me because she's one of those who faithfully and regularly, and we'll use this phrase, she completes her Who's Your One card. Now, years ago, we didn't call it that. We were using some uh, self-produced items that had the same intent. I think we call them our white harvest cards. But regularly, every year, Sarah will be jotting down the names of people that she's praying for and working to see them come to Christ. And it's been a joy to watch many of those people become Christians over these past years. She's been with us here at First Family for probably almost the entire time since we planted. And her and her husband, Dave, just have a a stirring testimony of, of witness and engagement to those around them. We might call them their neighbors. And in this episode, I asked Sarah about how she goes about that strategy of writing them down and praying for them and what she does and hearing the Spirit and follow the Spirit's leading. I think you'll be really encouraged by just this practical shoe leather kind of interview with someone who uh, is a wife, a mom, she homeschools her kids, she uh, as an entrepreneur, and yet none of that uh, comes before or outweighs or prevents her from still engaging in witnessing to neighbors and being that kind of, of impactful person for what matters most, and that's people's eternal destiny. So sit back and enjoy and listen to this story and testimony from one of our own FFCers, Sarah Farnsworth, in this episode of Neighbors and Nations. Welcome to the podcast today, and I'm very excited to have not only as our guest uh, someone I think that will help us from an informational point of view, but I have someone that I've known for probably, what is it, Sarah, at least 15 years now? Beginning at FSC. So I'm excited to have Sarah Farnsworth on the broadcast on the episode today, and uh, she especially will help us think about Neighbors, You know, this is a podcast designed to stir within our listeners a heart for missions, both local and global. And I think Sarah has a unique and I would say very evidential lifestyle that cares for people very close to her. And we're going to pick a specific way that I think God's given her um, to do that. So we're going to talk about that today. So Sarah, welcome to our podcast. Really glad you're here. Hey, let's set the table for a minute, can we? And this is uh, something I've been waiting to say. You're most of our guests. They're like in vocational ministry. Not all of them, but I'd say ninety percent of them. They either work in a church or ministry. But you're not. Your heart beats for your kids and your home and schooling them, and uh, you have a lot of entrepreneurial skills and business. So you're not in vocational ministry, and yet you have a heart to see people come to Christ. So, yeah, walk us through some of your story. When did you first notice that pull in your life? Uh, how does this compassion just seem to be overwhelming and very visible? Uh, tell us some of your story, would you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think as a young child, I grew up with a grandmother who was 
she just loved people in so big ways. You know, you, she greeted you with the biggest hug. She was always in other people's homes. People were in her home. She was, you know, always doing something in her community. So, you know, she was a homemaker. My grandfather was a farmer, um, you know, and, and, but that was her, that was her vocation was people, you know, she was like serving and she was just, we, we just went along with her. Right. And that, and that's what we did. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, God like puts different people in our lives and people are just beautiful, right? Like just meeting different people, everybody's got a story, right? And so mm. that as a young child just so interested me. And then, you know, I grew up, started babysitting early, worked at a grocery store, worked in healthcare for 20 years between a hospital, nursing home. I worked with individuals with special needs, kids with autism, you know, all kinds of things like that. Um, so I think that that love for people was just natural, right? God has gifted me with that. Um, but the shift, I would say, obviously came when, when I heard the gospel, when I got saved. So, you know, the gospel message is love, it's forgiveness, it's, um, grace and it's mercy. And, um, it's all of those things. But for me, what that was, was acceptance. It was, um, it was just that complete, like unconditional love that I didn't have to do anything for, you know, I'd grown up, I, I grew up in the church. I knew who Jesus was. I knew all the Bible stories, but I didn't have a relationship with him. Um, and I had turned the gospel into this works-based gospel, right? That if I just worked harder and if I just um, was good enough and if I just did more and I served more and I did all of these things, um, th that what, what did I think that was going to get me? You know, like that, that's not, that's not the gospel, right? So perfection had become this idol in my life. It was, you know, sports, it was grades, it was everything. Perfection just um, literally was my God. And so, you know, I think when I heard the gospel, it, it, it went from like, I love people to like, these people don't know this, you know, like they don't know that unconditional love that the father provides. They don't know what, what grace and mercy really, really feels like. Right. Mm. Um, and I think that just completely changed. Um, it, it wasn't a, a just love for people. It was just like, I, I have to share this with people. I have to like, I have to walk alongside them so that they can know this and they can feel this. Right. And so it sort of, it sort of did become a, a pursuit, right. Um, that, that I was, I was really intentional about it. I wanted to come alongside people in their lives and encourage them and just check in with them and, and live life with them. But wow. When you, when you put that spin on it, that like, okay, they don't know, like they, they don't know what this feels like, you know? And I think most of us walk through, hard times in our life. And I think as a believer, we, we can dig in, right. We can sit because we know that like, okay, Christ is here, right? Like he can sustain me. He can get me through the long haul, like whatever I face. Right. And I have that hope. I have that picture of, of the, the story, right. I have that end, end goal, right. I know what's, what's going to happen, right. For people who don't know Jesus and people don't know that all they're seeing is darkness. They're seeing maybe evil, something that's happened around them, maybe someone's sin that's affected them. They don't, they don't have that hope. They don't have, they don't have that, that view, right. Their glasses are completely different than ours. So I just think that like, that is that, that, that does become a love for people to a love for like, they, they, they can't get through mm -hmm. this without Jesus. Wow. Man, you went to Mach 5 off the bat. <laughs> I love that, Sarah. I mean, just getting to the core of the gospel. And, you know, I was thinking about that verse that we are accepted in the beloved. 
So Amen. let me ask you this. I mean, just kind of peel back the layers of your heart for a minute. I, when I see you, and let's just be fully transparent here. Sarah's a member of First Family Church, uh, one of our sheep here. And so she's, you're an Iowa girl. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You talk about growing up with your grandmother. Where was that in Iowa? Uh, Southwest Iowa. So I grew up in Atlantic. My grandparents lived in Audubon. So it was, you know, 30 minutes away. And we spent a lot of time with them. Okay. So when I see you, I, I see this high achiever, let's get a lot done kind of production person, which is the way God made you. And yet I hear you talk about how perfection was your goal. Do you think high achieving people, uh, maybe, you know, those D on the disc, you know, do you think they struggle with some of this acceptance that you found so refreshing? Absolutely. And it, and again, you know, I think, um, you know, I grew up, both my parents were married. Um, you know, we were loved, we were like accepted. We were, um, you know, we had a, we had a good life, you know, but, but I don't know where, well, sin, I know where that came from, right. That's, that's (laughs) planting those things in our hearts and minds, but it really became, um, it really became a sin issue for me in my life, it, it, perfection, you know? And so, yeah. Um, and I think that that freedom and that rest is something that I, I, I had never experienced before. Right. It was always a striving. It was always, um, me, it was me doing this. It was me reaching out. And again, even early on in my, you know, in, in my, life as a believer, um, I still was very immature in that, right? It was, it was a me thing, right? And I wasn't resting in like what God's going to do. Like I would pray over people and I would like write lists of all the things I was going to say to like share the gospel with them. But in reality, like that was me, that was still me mm-hmm. doing that. Right. Um, and, and really like, it's just this rest, it's this freedom. And I think once you embrace just that, that covenant, right? Like Jesus is our representative and it is done. It is finished and whatever, right. He has access. That is ours. Like we can access that self-control. We can access the perfection through him. It doesn't have to be from us. So I just, um, for me rest and just resting in him. And, and even this, just thinking about all these people that, that we, you know, we plant seeds and God brings into our life for different reasons. Um, you know, we're, we're planting seeds, but, but that's God, that's on him, you know, like that's on him when he is going to bring that, um, when he is going to work in their hearts and their minds. And so we, you know, I think we do the best that we can to, you know, share that truth with them. But then like, we just put complete trust. We can put complete faith in him and just God, you, you do it. You do the work in their hearts. You do the work in our minds and, and we're willing, but, but it's, it's him. Yeah. We plant, we water, but God gives the increase. You preached another good sermon there. Good job. Uh, Yeah. This has been just uh, delightful to just hear you get to the gospel so quickly. Uh, Give us just a brief word, if you would, before we move on Um, your kid's name, their ages, just, you know, I don't want to reveal too much, but yeah, your family a little bit. Yeah. So I am married to my college sweetheart. We've been married 20 years this year. Um, David, and I have a 10-year-old, Claire, and five-year-old, Ayla. So, um, yeah, I remember early on in First Family, you know, I, I just remember you thinking, like, you know, if you, if you haven't faced trials, you know, just, just get ready. And I feel like, you know, Dave and I, early on in our marriage, you know, we found First Family within three weeks of, you know, its inception. We were semi-newly married, you know, all in with just ministry, um, just surrounded ourselves with people and we just were living our best like life, right? Like, you know, I think a lot of times we think, oh, you get saved and your life's just going to be awesome. Right. And I remember hearing that thinking, oh man, well, you know, like, like 
we're, we're doing great. We're happy. We've got, you know, and then bam, we had some trials in our marriage. We had a baby at 29 weeks. Um, I was in the hospital and that was just a beautiful way for us to just really see, um, the body of Christ come around us. Um, we, we, one couldn't have gotten through any of that without Jesus, obviously, but then the body at first family and people in our lives, just surrounding us and encouraging us and, um, walking through all of that with us. We, we're thankful for it daily. I and I love are. that my kids get to see that too, right? Yeah, amen. There's so many, so many tangents to that story. And just like you said, when you have so many years under your belt, you just have so many good um, things to be thankful for. So one of the, the things I love about you and Dave too is just you have a heart for people. So let's talk about this for a little bit because I want our listeners to pick up some real um, practical tips from you. Um, especially since you're just, you're not just, I don't mean that in this way, but like, you know, you don't do this for a living. You're not a pastor or a missionary or a vocational minister. You, you do this out of, like you said, this change in your heart and this obedience to the father. So um, early on, we utilized the tool uh, called the white harvest card. I remember when we first introduced that to our church, probably more than 10 years ago, the idea was based on the, uh, the verse about the harvest is plentiful and, and we just asked folks to list, I think it was five names on a card. It was called a white harvest card. And we asked folks to turn them in and we would pray together. They would keep a copy. We'd keep a copy and we'd just pray together and, and see who God, you know, like you said, we'd water, we'd sow, but God would give the increase. And I remember when you turned yours in and uh, you were so excited about it. And then as you, uh, I think it was either months or years would unfold, you just kept saying, hey, one more came to Christ. Kind of walk us through how that card and maybe how you lived your life, just maybe some ways that worked together to see some of these folks come to Christ. Some of your neighbors, they, they became Christians. Tell us those yeah, stories. And, and, and that is, you know, I think, I think that would be beautiful if we would see all of, you know, the fruits of our, our like work in our lifetime. And we know that we won't. Um, so, you know, just in several situations that that was just a timing thing. Um, you know, one of them, uh, she was an employer of mine years prior. Um, and I had run into her at Panera and we hadn't connected for probably 10 years. Um, and we ran into Panera. And again, this just happened, you know, pretty quickly before we had gotten those cards. And, you know, she'd let me know some things that had happened in her life. And, you know, she obviously wasn't a believer. Um, and so, you know, I think God just used that card, like this, she's on your list, you know, like you need to be intentional about it. And so um, I really just purposefully not only was just in prayer, just specifically for her, just that God would give me opportunities to be in her life more, right? Like, um, I don't want to say stalk people, but that's kind of what I, I did. Um, so, you know, just purposefully reaching out to her, um, Hey, can we get together for coffee? Hey, you know, can we meet at the park with the kids? Hey, can we, you know, get together? So one kind of getting back into her life and, and getting to know her again, um, uh, maybe in a different level. And then, um, you know, just really be purposeful about nurturing, you know, that and sharing the gospel with her. Um, and she has had a really, really hard life. Like anything that could have gone wrong at, that Satan has thrown that at, at her. Right. Um, another one was a neighbor who, um, you know, we had lived, we, we had lived by them in Ankeny, our first house, um, you know, Southwest side of Ankeny. Um, 
we had reached out to them, tried to get the kids to go to VBS. Uh, you know, can I have the kids today? Can I help you out? Can I do this? You know, and tried to just be there for them in kind of some smaller things in their life, you know, prayed with them, try to get, you know, just reach out to them, try to get to know them. They weren't really, um, I guess, receptive to that initially. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, like, 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 that's fine. We're still, I'm still going to keep reaching out. Maybe I don't do it with the, the same intensity. Um, but then five years later, she called me literally out of the blue, didn't know even whose number was calling me. And her husband had left her and her children. Um, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go, but I know that you are always offering to pray, pray with me. And so then that began again, our new relationship in a different situation where I was getting together with her regularly. And some of it was, you know, from a service standpoint of helping with the kids or bringing meals or doing some of those things. Um, but then in the mix, midst of that, right, like sharing truths, constantly sending her verses, um, you know, praying with her, buying her a Bible. We started reading the Bible together, getting her connected um, and things that way. So, you know, I think um, we don't always know what seeds we're planting when we're, when we're reaching people. Right. And I think, you know, I think we just have to do, what we can to be intentional about that and be there if we can. And fortunately and unfortunately, sometimes it's only the hard times, right? That people are most open to those things. And so maybe we plant those seeds and we reach out and maybe they're not recepted or received very well, but then crisis happens. And then hopefully you're that person that they're going to reach back out to. Yeah. I love the way that you seem to have a good understanding of that we're witnesses, we're not converters. Like we're not the saver, you know? And I hear in Amen. your story just this consistent, like, hey, let's serve, let's witness, let's be there. Um, so did, did I know you mentioned some intentional things. Were there uh, moments that you remember that were pivotal in some of these relationships with folks you were really intentionally trying to bring to Christ? Yeah. You know, I think, um, just the, some of them, you know, they're not loud in the middle of church, you know, anything like that. They're just quiet moments shared over reading the Bible when someone reads it and you talk about it and they're like, you mean, this means that like my sins can be completely forgiven, like everything that I've done, you know? And so I think it's just that truth. And that's, that's totally again, on God, you know, to, to reveal those things to them, but just by reading the truth, um, being able to people for people to see for the first time, like, I never knew this, you know, mm -hmm. like, like this is available to me. And so I think some of those quiet things, and again, you know, some of them are a little bit, bit more dramatic. You know, one of them was in the hospital and she was having some eating disorder issues and she had gotten in a car accident with her children and, um, she was in the hospital. She was hospitalized. Um, really, really serious health things. Um, I actually had to commit her to a mental health institute, which was not an easy thing to do. Um, but, but we do that and that's what we do. We do hard things. Um, and so, you know, that initially was a little bit difficult, but over time she's come to see why that was important. And just looking back, like now her life is healthy in every way, right? She's remarried. Um, she, she's just thriving. And so I think, you know, some of those things are, um, again, just a timing, like it's all God, right? Like it was hard for maybe six years. Well, we're on the other side of it. Thanks to his redemption. Right. Amen. And so you've, you've got a, I guess, just a, a number of stories like this of 
people that you've been praying for and you've listed their name. Did you keep that card in your Bible? Did you keep it on a fridge or just kind of like, how did this, how did this stay in front of you? Well, it, I did have it on my bathroom mirror at that point I was working. So like getting ready in the morning, you know, and then I would take it with me and I would put it on my little dash in my car. So I'd pray over it as I drove to work. Um, and I think, you know, like that card, you know, we, we all should be, I'll say, um, you know, we all should have people in our lives, right? We all have very close people to us. A lot of us, right. Who we know are not saved and we know are going to perish, right. Unless we share that truth with them. And so I think the card is just that, um, intentional focus for us to just be really disciplined about that. So, you know, it's like little Bible verses when we're struggling with something, we can work on that, but if it's in front of us in a repeated thing, um, and we're seeing that then, okay, God's bringing it to my mind again. Okay. God's bringing it to my mind again. So, you know, I don't know however, you know, people want to put that, but, but put it somewhere, put it in your mind. And I am, I am a person, I need lists. I need things in front of me. So that's very helpful for me. My kids and I, we do it with our Bible verses. We put sticky notes up, you know, so whatever works for people, if it's on your phone, whatever, but I just think it's that just that purpose of, okay, I'm seeing that repeated times. I'm going to pray for them or set an alarm, right? Some people set an alarm at a certain time of day or whatever that is. It's, it's not necessarily the card. I think it's just that intention and that focus. Yeah. I think we are people that, uh, what's the phrase out of sight, out of mind. And you're taking intentional steps to say, I don't want to get it out of my sight. Yeah. That's uh, very helpful. Now we're currently using the who's your one card. Uh, it's a place for one name. And of course, again, it's perforated. So we've had, you know, hundreds of folks turn theirs in. We're praying for these hundreds. They keep one copy. Um, how I want to kind of get to a, a really vulnerable moment here. So regardless of the tool, whether it's a who's your one card or a white harvest card or just a post-it note, um, how would you talk to our listeners about making sure that person's not suddenly their project? Because I, I hear that sometimes some folks who kind of push against this idea, their, their criticism is that it makes people into a project. Um, how do you respond to that? And, and how can we avoid that perspective? Well, they are our project. <laughs> well, just own it, right? <laughs> that's pretty good, Sarah. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's what we're called to do is uh, to share truth with other people. So you're right. I mean, I, I think it's mindset. I think it's heart. I think it's intention. Um, you know, and I think it, it's just, it's giving it up and saying, okay, Lord, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go through the motions of this, right? I don't want to, um, you know, reach out to them in a manufactured artificial way, but I want you to put opportunities for us to cross paths or, you know, I want you to put an opportunity for me to speak this to them, you know, you know, whatever that is, you know, I, I have a new, a new friend in my life and, um, I can't give too much of the information, but anyway, I, she's getting married and she, met this guy and, um, I've been praying for like, God, whatever it is, like, let me bump into this guy. Cause I don't know him. And I, she's getting married to him. Right. And I cannot tell you how many times this summer I've ran into this guy, wow. 
like I've just been praying. Like, I don't know him. Right. So, I mean, I've been purposeful about, okay, let's have a couple's event. Like let's have a couple shower. Let's do this. So I've been planning these things purposely, but just praying for like, okay, so I run into him at the chiropractor. I ran into him at caribou the other day. I ran into him at Hy-Vee, you know, like this guy is like in my life a lot. So I think it's just, it's not a, it's not a project. I think it's just like asking God to like, Hey God, like, this is my heart. I want to reach out to this person. Make that happen for me. Right. Yeah. Like put me in that person's life. Right. But I love your refreshing honesty that you just kind of owned it. Like, well, in one sense, they are our project. And you can see the word negatively or you could see it positively. Uh, and I love your ha- attitude that says, you know, prayer starts everything. I forget, there's an old dead theologian that once said, talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. And that's what I hear in your heart, you know, this morning. So let me just kind of dig a little deeper. I'm curious as a pastor, how do you manage so many relationships? Because everyone's got a limit. And I'm, I keep hearing, I got a new friend or I got these people. Maybe help our listeners who probably already feel like they've got too many acquaintances. They're Facebooked to death with what they call friends. I mean, how do you manage all these relationships? Do you have a, a rotating list or what do you do? First of all, Facebook isn't a real relationship. We all know that, right? Like, go. let's put that on there. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I think that's good. Um, but I think, you know, we're called to take it upon ourselves to like take it beyond that relationship, right? So, you know, I think we do all have people in our lives and I think our lives are busy. And I think that we do get a capacity where we're like, I can't have one more community. Um, and I won't lie, we, we just started a new school and I, I do feel maxed out with community, right? We've got community from dance. We've got community from church. We've got community for small groups that we meet with, you know, things like that. And now we're, we're having this whole new community, right? Um, but, but like, that's just people that God is putting in our life and we don't know how they're going to like, and, and already I can see it like, you know, a week I've spent with these people just between orientation. And I'm just like, oh man, these people are just amazing. I can't wait to surround myself with them. So um, I won't lie. It is hard to manage a lot. Um, and I, I do probably let some things like house cleaning and, you know, things like that go like, cause I'm like, Hey, we're going to the park with some new friends we met today. You know, like this is just priority. And this is just, this is just what we do. And this is what I want my kids to know. You know, like this is our life. Like we, we reach out to people. We want to live life with people. We want to meet people. Um, you know, I think like my best friend came to first family. Um, you know, I reached out to her. I gave her a business card for to my mom's blog. And if I wouldn't have done that, um, I probably wouldn't. And I just said, call me, you know, let's get together. God perfectly ordained us. We have very similar stories. We both had premature children. We've both had similar issues in our marriage. We both have similar mothers and relationships with our mothers. We both have just such similar things, you know? So like, if we don't, if we don't embrace that, we don't know what God's going to do with that. Right. We don't know how God is going to bless our life or bless other people's lives. So yeah, capacity is a real thing. I agree. Um, and, and I do find real value in living life really closely vulnerable life with, with really, really close people. Um, and no, we don't have to do that for everyone. Um, but it's not hard to send a quick text message, right? Mm. It's not hard to send a card to somebody and say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Or, you know, it's not hard to say when you have a conversation and people say we're good. Okay. Okay. What does good mean? Like, 
let's go further than that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're all just, we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to do hard work. We don't want people to really know what's going on, but that's just inauthentic. Like God, like God can't use that. Right. So like go further than, Hey, you guys back to school. How are you feeling about things? You know, like check with people's hearts, like what's really going on. Right. Like, don't just take it face value. We're good. Okay. How about you and your husband? How's your marriage? You know, how can we pray for you? You know, or how about the kids? Like what stages are they going through? How can, you know, I, I just, I do think capacity is real, but I also feel, I don't know. And, and I just, that's just life. So I think we just juggle it all. Yeah. Can I put a, can. Let me put a few words in your mouth if I can. Tell me if, and you correct me where I'm wrong. Okay. Here's what I heard you saying. Um, you know, I love words. I love playing with them and forming them. But I heard you say this, and I love this. Trust God's sovereignty more than your capacity. Like, Amen. Like you were saying, we have capacity limits and we should manage that and we should prioritize things. Like you didn't discount that, but you also said, you know, God's sovereignty is he's going to run your path through things that sometimes it will look like you don't have room for it, but you probably do because he will enable well, you. Yeah. And, and maybe other things will fall away while other things were, you know, and, and I think there's, there's times in our life when, when the people that we reach out to, right. Like, like maybe there's nothing going on in their life right now. Right. Okay. We still, we're still, we still hang out. We're still friends. We still, whatever. But then when things get bad or things change, right. Then you're in that life, right. Then you're in there. You're, you're digging in that trench with them, right. You're, you're walking through that hard stuff and, you know, hopefully everybody isn't walking through it all at the same time. Sometimes that happens, but you just, you just trust that, 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 and, and maybe other things will, will get let go, you know, like, yeah. like God will work all that out. And so don't limit that, you know? And, and that's why I would say with capacity, I think that's kind of a lie that we tell ourselves. I mean, I, I get it. It's real. I juggle two businesses. I homeschool my kids. I have my hands in a lot of nonprofits. I do a lot of fundraising. I, I get it. Like I get capacity. Um, but, but just don't limit that. Right. Like, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes think, I don't know. And I'm somebody who thinks I can do it all. So uh, <laughs> I probably should be a little more intentional about, about watching that capacity. Well, I think the folks that have come to Christ because of your influence over years, they're thankful that you didn't let capacity stop you. And uh, I'm thankful as well. You mentioned a minute ago that uh, many times some of these folks would go uh, you know, even for years, just in a relationship that at times even they weren't receptive, but then a crisis would occur. You also mentioned you worked in nursing homes in the medical field. Um, can I pick your brain on this? Help me and our listeners respond. Um, help us know how to better respond to people in a crisis, people who need Jesus. Do you have any kind of like pointers for those moments or maybe quote unquote best practices and things you've done that you've seen to be very effective? Sure. Well, and I think anybody that's listening that would know me would, would say, would maybe be shocked that I'm saying this, but listen, be quiet, be still. Um, you know, I think, I think sometimes it's, it's just a matter of, of one reaching out or knowing them enough and just genuinely caring for them enough that when that crisis happens, that you're not just like all of a sudden in their life. Right. But, but sometimes that is how it goes. Um, and so I think just, you know, for me, it's sending verses or, um, you know, just speaking out a prayer and sending that, you know, in a voice text or, um, you know, something like that, maybe sending a worship song that, you know, I was listening to and, and God brought them to my mind. So I'll just say, Hey, 
you know, I was just worshiping and, and this song really spoke to me. I just wanted to share it with you. So maybe it's, it's small things like that, or maybe it's just offering, um, to be there with someone, you know, I, I think, and, and I am very guilty of this as well, but I think in our lives, vulnerability is really hard and that's an entirely different conversation, right? But, but we want to live in this manufactured, especially social media and all this, right? We want to live in this manufactured like life that nobody wants to really see our real heart, right? Well, you said nobody it. wants to know that our husband struggled with pornography or nobody wants to know that I've had an eating disorder or, you know, nobody wants to know those hard, ugly things. Right. But that is what God's mercy speaks loudest with. Right. Like, um, you know, walking through things and God, God takes us through things so that we can help other people. Right. Like, like our pain and our struggles will be used at some point. Right. And if it hasn't been yet, it will be right. So just, I think one being open and honest with people, you know, like, I don't know what you're going through, or maybe you do like, Hey, you know, I wanted to let you know, like we've walked through this in our marriage before, you know, can we come alongside you in this and just share some of the things that were helpful to us? Or, um, you know, for me being a preemie mom, um, and we have a project that we do each year. Um, it connects me with a lot of moms who are preemies who've had premature babies. Right. And, while they're walking through it is really hard. And then even that first year is even harder, right? So I have that opportunity to one, maybe all they know me from is somebody who brought something to them in the hospital when they were in the NICU, but my number's on there. And I always, you know, offer if you ever need to call me. So I have a lot of people who call me, they're like, I don't know who you are, but you wrote a message about Jesus and about what God did in your life with your baby. And, and I don't know what to do. Right. So wow. I don't know these people. I don't know these people. Right. But, but it's a seed that I've planted and you know, some of them I never hear from we've, we've delivered thousands of baskets to the NICU in the last eight years, you know, maybe I've only heard from 10 people. Right. But, but it's, it's just those seeds that we're planting. So I think it's just that ugly stuff that we don't really, really want to like let people know. But I think that crisis is a really good time. Um, because, unfortunately for them, but fortunately for us, that's a moment where they're actually open for the first time to maybe letting you in, in their house, or maybe letting you put, put your hands on them and pray, or, um, maybe letting you bring a meal or take their kids or sit with them. Right. And so I think just living in that ugly stuff, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of get through that barrier with some people, but crisis is usually um, a pretty open door to be like, you know what, this sucks. And can I just sit with you right now? Yeah. Uh, you may have heard us share this, but crises are moments when the shores get really close you know, and the water between them is really narrow. And so it doesn't take near as long to build a bridge from shore to shore, we say. Whereas in normal life, you know, you get so many things in the middle that the river is usually wide, right? Yeah. So those things you're talking about, man, that's, those are good ways to build that bridge in a moment when perhaps it won't take near as long to get to the other shore. Are there other tools that you have found helpful? Uh, even just some insights, maybe a book you've read or, or something you've heard just in regards to evangelism uh, to those closest to us, like the kind of life you're living, what tools have helped you or resources would you recommend? You know, I would love to say that I've read a lot of books, but I am not a book reader except for the Bible. I think it's just like this, this is what we're called to do. And this is the truth. And this is the tool. Like we don't have to manufacture anything or make anything up. Like it's right here. 
Like all I'm mm -hmm. doing is reading this with you or all I'm doing is sharing this with you. Like God's word will take it and grow it from there. So I would love to say that I have lots of like tools <laughs> or, or books or these professional people that I know podcast. I mean, I listen to pod, you know, I, John MacArthur, I, I listen to some of those things, but um, nope, just good old Bible. Amen. I wouldn't change that answer. Hallelujah. You mentioned a couple of times, even some rejection or maybe even a longer path at times than you'd hoped for. So what do you do in those moments to stay in the game? Uh, how do you not give up? Well, fortunately, there's a lot of other hurting people in the world. So if those people aren't receptive to you, there's plenty of other people that you can connect with, right? I think the biggest thing is is just, you know, like just knowing like, okay, maybe now is not the time. Like maybe they're just not ready to hear it right now. And so just approaching it with, you know what, this is like God's time. This is, this is you, like, I'm going to reach out. It's not going to change what I do. Maybe it's less intensity that I reach out to them, or maybe I don't just show up on their doorstep, but, but maybe now it's just not the time. And so you just keep planting those seeds, maybe check in less frequently. Um, and then, you know, someday you might hear from them again and someday you might not. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's God's to deal with. And probably what you said in your previous answer is one of the main reasons you haven't given up is you keep feeding yourself with the word. You know, God continually renews your inner person. So, Sarah, this has been so helpful because, and I hope you hear this well. I want to use this phrase. I use it at church often, but I want you to know this. This is a compliment, but you're just one of those normal people that, you know, we get to interview. And I think sometimes on podcasts, mine included, we you interview the professionals. But I, I've been really looking forward to today because I, we get to hear from someone who has a life like most of our listeners. They have jobs. They have other things they're doing. Their kids are going to school. They got a shop. They don't get to work in the church or ministry. And so when I say a normal person, thank you for just speaking the language and living the schedule of most of our listeners and yet having a heart to obey the Great Commission and make disciples and to preach Jesus by your life and your lips and your actions. I it's been a joy just to hear your heart even more. Uh, I love it so much. Yeah. Um, one thing we ask all of our listeners, and I know you knew this question was coming, and you're, <laughs> you're not sure how it's going to be answered, but I'm curious, what do you hope to see God do before you die? Yeah, like I said, it's a loaded question. I think the year 2020 and everything that's going on in our world, just between politics and schools and just everything, just persecution all over our world. So I think I could have a really, really, really long answer. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just like I alluded to a little bit before, just, I want my kids one to just know Jesus more than anything and just know how far his mercy reaches. Um, one, I want them to just, this is our life. This is what we do, right? We bring people who we don't know into our home sometimes. And we, um, purposefully get to know different neighbors that move into our neighborhood and we take baskets to people when they move into our neighborhood and we, we reach out like that's what we do. Um, but one just, you know, God's mercy is so big that it's, it's fun to do the outreach stuff when it's people that we know are people that are like us. Um, but God's mercy is not beneath wanting the sex offenders and wanting the pedophiles and wanting the people who are organizing protests in our city and wanting their hearts too. And so I think for my kids, um, you know, it's the, the mean kid at school, right? Last year, Ayla had a friend at 
preschool. Um, you know, just, he was, he was the mean kid, right? We have that, those mean kids in school. So, you know, we just, we talk a lot about like, you know, sin and what is that and why do we need Jesus? And, and our hearts are all full, filled with sin, all of us every day. Right. Um, and, and he's not beneath Henry or whatever the, I'm not going to say the little boy's name, but he's not beneath that, right? Like he loves that kid too. And so how can we, um, how can we still share that? Right. How can we love him? Even if he's not nice, even if he's mean, right? Like, even if he is hurting everyone in your class, right. God still loves that little boy. And maybe he's hurting. Like, let's, let's find out, like, let's find out what's going on with him. You know, maybe he's got something going on at home. Right. But I just want my kids posture one to be obviously Jesus and that I want them to feel confident in sharing that. And I want them to know what sin, like, like this is, this is what we're dealing with. Like my heart right now, I'm selfish. I'm feeling this, like I'm feeling this sin. And because of Jesus, right. I, I don't have to do that. I have the freedom, um, that I can have self-control. I don't have to give into that temptation. I don't have to do that. Right. And so I just think it's this, um, I mean, pray every day, just that, that my actions, which I fall short every single day, but I also think that like them seeing me struggle with sin or maybe I'm raising my voice at them or whatever it is like me struggling through that is the whole purpose of the gospel, right? Like, like wrestling with that is okay. And I grew up this, again, this perfection thing, like we didn't talk about things that we did wrong. We didn't speak about it. We didn't own that that was sin, right? We just, we just didn't talk about it. Right. And so I think for me, them being able to just see it, what it is, or see someone hurting for where they are, like, like this is evil in their heart. Right. Okay. And they're hurting, but guess what? Like God is big enough to even capture that person's heart. Right. And so if there's anything that we can do, right, maybe it's just being a friend. Maybe he doesn't have any other friends. Right. Or again, this is low level kid stuff. Right. But I just want them to be able to one, be confident enough to be able to just love whoever it is. Right. They might not be like us at all. Um, and it might be really hard. It might put us in a situation and, and that's something, you know, I've put my kids in maybe some situations that, you know, maybe a little too mature for their hearts and their minds at that point, but this is living life with other people and this is what it looks like. And so we talk about that we talk about how God can use us through that situation. There's a lot more to that, but I'll, I'll leave it at that, that I just, I, my, I want my kids heart for Jesus first and for other people. Um, and that God is bigger than all of this that's going on in the world. Yeah. It's, bigger than all of this. And so we just have to just do the best that we can. Um, Isaiah 26 is on my heart. We choose a verse every year for school. And um, in that couple of different translations, we've just been reading through them. But the point is that our city is strong, right? So our city is strong because God has created our city. And regardless of everything else that's going on around it, the evil, all these things, right? Um, our city is strong and God is, if, if we're upright and we're, we're looking to him and we're letting him pave our path, then he, we just let him take care of the rest of that. And we just stick with our eyes on him and we, we move forward and we walk in his way and we do what he's called us to do. And we don't worry about the rest. I mean, we, we do, right. But we just keep that city. We just keep that fortress and we walk in his, in his will of that. Yeah. 
Sarah, thank you for the time, first of all. Um, and just thank you, second of all, for such good practical information. And I can tell we touched on some good heart nerves there as you are, your passion's coming out for your kids and for what you hope to see God do in the future. Um, if you're willing, um, what's a good way that our listeners could get a hold of you if you don't mind sharing whatever way you want? Um, I suspect there could be some young moms listening um, who maybe are wondering about capacity or balancing. You mentioned a couple of businesses, nonprofits, your heart for the lost, homeschooling, a number of topics that, that may have perked their ears. Uh, would you mind sharing maybe the best way they could reach out to you or find out more about some things you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my email is it's North Shore Trio at gmail.com. So yeah, would love to hear from people. Okay. That's just North Shore Trio. So yeah. Just like it sounds. Yep. That'd be great. And I just want to encourage any other normal uh, people out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Reach out to Sarah if you'd like and her story and um, her, I use the word expertise in different areas, I think would be a real help. So Sarah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's been fun picking your brain and picking your heart as well. So my regards to your family, of course, and I'll see you guys this weekend, Lord willing. That sounds great. Thanks for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. To learn more about how to support this podcast and our partners, go to toddstyles.net slash podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app.